4: Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and on this Monday Bulletin I'm joined by Tony Haggerty. Massive weekend, Tony. Not only in the world of Celtic but when you consider the tenure of Ange Postacoglu. Everything that's happened since he's come in, all the the lead up to that um, appointment as well and at the first time of asking he's got us into a cup final. Um, we really need to take a bit of time just to talk about that. Uh, First and foremost, Tony, I mean, we, we follow every moment, you know, every step of the way. We're on the Axon Bulletin at 12.30 every uh, weekday, every game at nighttime or the weekend. We cover that uh, before, during and after the game as well. So every single move has been looked at and scrutinised and we're focused on it. And there's been good and there's been bad. But the bottom line is we're nearing the end of November. We've been in one competition, we're in the final. We've been in Europe. We're going to be in Europe beyond Christmas, and we're four points behind the leaders, Rangers, in the title. So, just a wee moment to talk about Ange before we move on to the game itself, Tony.
5: I yeah. Uh, if I had a hat, I'd tip it to Ange. In fact, I've got plenty of hats, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. Uh, yeah, it's just a measure of the progress, isn't it, that he's made with the team. I mean, in, inherited a shambles, you know, and. No pundits or whatever you want to call me. Journalists like myself got annoyed because he went he wasn't winning straight away. But I I, I got all the extenuating circumstances, but I, I just wanted him to realize that at Celtic it was all about winning. And Saturday was one of those occasions He knew it was all about winning. Didn't play particularly well or great, but they were never in any danger. And it is kudos to him, because he slowly but surely and in his own words, methodically building something. <laughs> you can see it and you've seen it, you've been watching it from its infancy and it's get to get to this point, you know, Celtic supporters are all smiling today. You know, they've had a good weekend, but they've, they've all went into their work and smiled and or, or wherever they go on a Monday morning and, you know, the, the great thing. I think he brought a bit of joy back to Celtic. He really has. You know, he brought a bit of identity back as well and, you know, we, we said before, <laughs> my guy who's travelled, Halfway across the world to do what he has accomplished in five months is—it's remarkable. Mm. But in his own words, he'll turn around and say, "We've achieved nothing, we've done nothing." I wrote yesterday in the Celtic way: He will not be content just to get to the final. He doesn't want to go to Hamden and smell the hot dogs and you know, December nineteenth. Complete the job. Go become a winner. He wants to win silver. Well, this is this is his dream. This is his. And this is something that he's always coveted. A job in Europe, at a team that's successful and he and, and wins, and he wants to be a major part of that himself. So I think you can only applaud the job that he's done. Yeah, we're four points behind Rangers at the, this minute in time, but you know, if Celtic continue to play the way that they are domestically and in Europe as well, you you can see them eating into that lead, can't you? At the top of the table.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think we had a couple of discussions over the last few weeks uh, with uh, events elsewhere within Scottish football. And we were talking about how that affects or otherwise our business in the January transfer window. And I think when you look over the the piece in terms of the the January transfer window, what it should always be, Tony, is if you're (laughs) organised, is you should be looking towards the European qualification rounds the following season. You should have one eye on that anyway. So should, you should be able to fill any gaps with one eye on the next season because the game's come so quickly. We've never got into the groove of doing that. We've always left it so that we're going into the European qualification underprepared. And that's been one of the biggest bugbears uh, of us as Celtic fans on this podcast. So... We were talking about the January transfer and the importance of that in terms of us being the chasers, which is something we're not accustomed to in the last decade. This is the first time in 10 years we're going into a January transfer thinking um, we need to retain the title. You know, it's not that we're in a title dogfight. We need to win it. We need to retain it. Um, So I think regardless of what was going on elsewhere, the view on the January transfer window might have been different anyway. But I think when you look at what he has done, what he's achieved, Ange Postecoglou since coming in, um, and as you say, coming into a very, very difficult situation, and the making the makings of which were, were not his, were, were not his. With all that taken into account, we've we've said on this podcast you've got to back him, and what I meant by that is I expect Celtic to lose three or four in the January transfer window. Um, And they guys, although they're not first picks, they will be classed as first team players because we do have quite a small squad when you look at it. So before you do anything, you've got to fill those gaps. So let's say we lose three. I don't think it's good enough just to replace the three because at this moment in time, the squad's not deep enough. We don't have that depth. And I think that there's been quite a few occasions this season where that's been evident. When we're firing on all cylinders and everybody's fit, that's great. We've not had that this season. We still don't have it. I mean, we've gone into the game there at the weekend with Starfelt out, Julien out, Giacomacchus out. You know, we've never gone into a game with a full of players. And some might say, well, that's never going to be the case. But I think, particularly Celtic, we've been really hammered with injuries this season. And last, we'll get onto that when we talk about Jamesy Forrest. But I just think there's so much importance on this January window that it's not going to be good enough to bring in three or four if indeed we offload three players or four players. We need to actually you know, get a deeper squad. We need, and then that goes back to something Colin Watts said a couple of weeks ago, which seemed quite radical. We need six players in January. Well, if we lose three, then perhaps we do need six, Tony. And I think when we're talking about the game and we're breaking the game down, some of the positions will become clear. But the main thing I'm trying to say here is the time is now. The time is now. We're going to January, cup final behind us at that stage, still in Europe. Who knows where we'll be in terms of league placings by then because I think we're in for a very interesting few weeks ahead with the fixtures. But we must back Ange, and I don't just mean by a couple of loanees.
5: I believe the manager will be... The manager is in the strongest position yet now, isn't he? To play his hand and go to the board and say, right, this is where I want to take us, this is what I'm thinking, this is a list of players who I would like. If you can get me him, 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 him and him, I'll be a happy man. And he, he told you himself last week when he spoke to fan media, he said he works methodically. He's always thinking, so he's always thinking ahead. So he will be thinking about the Champions League qualifiers and the possibility of Celtic maybe winning the title and being able to strengthen further. But that, that's that's clearly the way he's operating. I think he was hinting at that. He's telling you as well where he thinks he can get players. He mentioned Japan, South Korea and Iran. So I don't think for a minute that he's not in, in his own mind, got this list and he's saying to the Celtic board, this is my list. If I would want X amount of players off this list. These are my top picks. Six. say it's six. These are my top six picks. Some of them you've you've already seen that they've maybe been linked already. You might produce a curveball and it might not be them, but you'd like to think that there's a couple of them that you think Hitate, Omaida, you like the look of them, or he likes the look of them. Trust his judgment now. I would trust his judgment implicitly. He brought Kyogo and I think he's probably been instrumental in Jota as well eh, because they're his kind of players, aren't they? that attack minded players who can cause damage in the final third and play that slick football the way he wants it. And also as well, if they conduct a bit of business for Jota in January, you would give them kudos as well. And and Ange might want to force that through. Remember before the August window shut, he said, maybe I wasn't forceful enough. I think this will be the time when he will be forceful enough because he's got a great chance here and, and the Celtic supporters feel it. He feels it, and you have to capitalise on this momentum that he's building, and it's building, and it's building, and it's building. What a month, Celtic! I've got the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. Know that you say they've got a cup final, they've got a game against Rangers before. As the, as the window opens, you know it could be good news week. or oh, until then, but what they have to do is uh, turn the screw. No more dropping League points. Be ruthless, be clinical, be efficient. And another thing they can't afford to do is to underestimate Hibs in this cup final. They have to beat Hibs and they have to give them all their due respect. You know, and with that momentum comes confidence. Mm -hmm. Not a swagger and it's not arrogance and there should never be that attached to Celtic. You respect your opponent at all times. Even the great Jocksteen say they worried about the fact that any opponent could beat Celtic on any given day. So, but if you're professional and you're clinical and you go go about your business with a ruthless efficiency, then you can see you're starting to believe more and more, aren't you, that good things could happen this season? Under Ag- you, you, I think you must have felt
4: it on Saturday, Tony, at the game. You must have felt that there is a momentum building. There is a belief building.
5: I didn't feel at like any time that Celtic were going to get beaten that game. I thought it would come with Joe Hart. Maybe <laughs> Giving everybody, uh, we will have a
4: wee discussion about I, Joe. We I, need I, to talk about Joe.
5: Yeah, but uh, I, I still felt that if they kept plugging the way they would create Jota was on form. I always thought they would get something. Uh, Kyogo, as much as he maybe didn't do much, he was still running. He was running for the cause. He was. He drags. Things. You're right. Yeah, he drags yeah. him about the park. And he was, uh, you know, and you can't underestimate just that work ethic. See that team ethic. They had and, and you've spoken about him as well. James McCarthy was on the park for thirteen minutes, this is the best thirteen minutes he's had in a Celtic jersey since he came, right? People can dispute that all, all they want, but he actually was a presence there, and I thought, Do you know what, James? That was your stage and you showed a wee glimpse of what the future could be if you get a regular run of games. Yeah. You know, forest coming on, everybody knows about Forrest. He's so much of an unsung hero, is Forrest. But I wrote, again, on the Celtic way today, I wrote, Forrest is something that Ange wants to turn every Celtic player into. A serial winner. Mm-hmm. That's the mentality that he needs in that team. Forrest has got 19 winner's medals. 19? I mean, that's a colossal amount of winner's
4: medals. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. when you look at his um, his roll call, last season was just his second season without a winner's medal. The other one was his first season in which yeah. he only played two games. So that shows you just how successful he's been as a Celt, you know, since breaking into the side. And again, we will be talking about James McCarthy, James E. Forrest. We'll be talking about Joe Hart, Bertie Alds. We'll be talking about Red Cards that never were. Near Beaton, Jota, David Turnbull. Um, how to break down sides like St. Johnston. And we'll have a look ahead. To buy a leverkusen. So anybody who's joining us in the comment section, any thoughts whatsoever on any of these subjects, get thrown them in. Uh, Michael McDonald, I love Mondays. So do I. So do I, Michael. Especially on a Monday like today. Um when we went into the, the cup final, we've we said it time and time again. The amount of emotion that's attached. And some people might say to me, ah, it's the same supporting any football club. Well, I don't know. I only support one football club, but the amount of emotion Attached to supporting Celtic, Tony, is quite unreal and it's palpable at times. And yeah. particularly when we lose one of our, our greats. And we did lose the great Bertie Old. And I was looking at that game, leading up to it, talking about the game with Lawrence on on Saturday. And we looked back to the 1969 League Cup final where yeah. Celtic won 1-0 against St. Johnston. So it was relevant same opponents as Saturday. The goal, of course, was scored by the one and only Bertie Old, the famous number 10. So we were back at Hamden on Saturday to face the same opponents this time, in the same competition, but in the semi-final. And again, we win one nothing. Lo and behold, number 10 did score Tony because we were all wearing the number 10 shorts in tribute to the late, great Bertie Old. And I just wanted to take a moment to discuss and praise those who were involved and that quite incredible display in memory of Bertie Old—I mean, that was absolutely astonishing, wasn't
5: it? Oh, it was. Uh, you said these were palpable. It was breathtaking. There was a real poignancy to Saturday, and you also felt that they were just Celtic. When I going to accept defeat anyway, regardless, uh, and they were being driven on by the spirit of Bertie, and you know, he his his was, buzzword was always entertain. Might not have entertained per se, but Jota got the memo. You know what I mean. He he at least tried to entertain. But there's that great picture which I shared with the group one Saturday, of the pyrotechnics in Kyoto. Oh, wow! I mean, it's a stunning shot. Mm-hmm. It's an absolutely stunning shot. But as you say, the the, the tribute and the emotion of the occasion, and uh, just for Bertie. I mean, he, his family must have really swelled with pride. Their hearts must have swelled with pride to see that. You know that he will never be forgotten, you know, Bertie old he's just, he's just a Celtic legend in the truest sense of the world, played for the greatest ever Celtic team, bar none, and, what, the feats that they achieved, will, you know, that will never be repeated, no Scottish club will ever win the, the European Cup stroke Champions League again, it's just, it just won't happen, and, you know, so, but, it's alright saying that we're having a tribute, but, my goodness, what a tribute that was, mm. it was, unbelievable and as you say I just think there's something about Celtic you know you, you, they get it it gets under your skin you know and once it's there yeah. it, it never leaves It's that's it and what, it's other just, clubs have, what other clubs would you say
4: Tony because I know you've covered football for 20 odd years what other clubs do you think share that I mean there has been an argument made that Liverpool might have that kind of same Liverpool, vibe
5: My first protocol call yep because they get it, and I think there's a deep, ingrained passion about their club as well. I would actually say Dortmund, to a point, because I think they, they have the yellow wall, don't they? Stuff like that, and, you know, it's... A, but I'm like you, I...
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of OOKLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details.
5: Uh, Barcelona to an extent, but I I, I wrote it in my book that I said, you you can only support one club, so Mm -hmm. you don't really know about the passions of these other clubs and their supporters, you, you get it that they'll feel the same as you because it's, it's their club, you know. And every supporter will say, "Oh, this is my club," you know. And but I, I don't know. I, maybe you are biased, but there's just something about being a Celtic, supporter, especially the emotion, the history, the passion attached to it. It, it is something different. In yeah, that. I, and, I agree with that. Yeah, and to quote Kevin, there is something romantic about it. I think
4: we're all romantics at heart. and The only person that doesn't think that he's an old romantics is his
5: wife. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, in poetry, he's certainly a football romantic. You, you think of the amount of, the screeds and screeds of writing that's been written about Glasgow Celtic Football Terrible. Club and will continue to be written about Glasgow Celtic Football Club. It's my occupation to write about Celtic Football Club every day of my working life, to talk about them. Every day of my working life, it is the most honoured and privileged position I I could ever be in, and you know what? I love it, and most of the time it comes from there, doesn't it? You know, when you're asked to write and charged to write about this football club, it comes from there, because if it comes from there, then it wouldn't be worth putting down in paper. Yeah, but it comes from there. It's just you you you're born with it, right? You know you. You know, you say, you don't choose your football club, it chooses you. That, that That's kind of right. You know, when when I was old, I mean, kind of, this was my first Celtic hero. father was a, a massive Celtic fan. When, when, when you're born, it's kind of, it's it's a rites of passage. It's it's handed down to you by someone. But once it's there, that's it. It never leaves you. And you can have a an affinity for other football clubs. Well, you cannot support them the way you support Celtic. I, and it's inexplicable. For a man who deals with words and words of his currency, it's very hard to explain that. It's very hard to put your finger on the pulse of, of what it is that just motivates you as a Celtic supporter. Possibly days like this, when you wake up, you're smiling. You know, the gentleman came in and said it's a happy Monday. You know, you live for moments like that. You know, that's that's why you're a football supporter. yeah. There's, there's ups and there's downs. You know, It's uh, that's the the nature of following uh, a football club. But there's a real excitement, going, taking it right back to what you were saying about Ange and what he's building. And you kind of felt like that when Martin and came in, when Brendan Rodgers came in. You know, there's certain moments in time, well, in my lifetime, where you think, you know, and I'm not saying he's going to be as successful as Martin O'Neill or Brendan Rodgers, but there's that feeling of momentum, that, that feeling of, of togetherness. There's a unity and a bond there, and it stretches from the manager and the players, eh, backroom staff, medical staff, and now it's filtering through onto the stands and the supporters. We're all getting it now. We're all singing from the same hymn sheet. And seeing five months from, from since he's to, taken over, that's an incredible place to be in before Christmas. Because he inherited a shambles in a club that was mm-hmm. uh, rudderless, directionless, and motionless, uh, and you you were sitting thinking, whoever comes in next is is going to uh, has a massive job in their hands, and he and he still does. But the way he has steered it and the way the way he speaks, I say that on Friday that he's a real statesman. You're you're actually proud to have this man in charge of your football club. He speaks so well, he conducts himself well. And uh, you you are now comparing him to people like Steen and O'Neill and Rogers in the way he presents themselves. And uh, to you and I, the Celtic managerial position is the highest office that you can hold as a manager because you support the football club. He's a representation of you and I. And that's, that's the way I would always want to be represented by a man and a person like that. And I think Angie's, I don't know how he's grasped it so quickly, but my goodness, what, what a job he's doing. And uh, long may that continue because we we feed off that and we feel good about ourselves and we feel good about ourselves because of him. He's gave us our kind of respectability back after the debacle of last season. And, and, and in short space of time, he's actually gave us our club back. We feel part of something very important then. especially.
4: Yeah, there's a couple of wee things. First thing I'm going to say is we will be joined by a very special guest at some point. So if I am looking to my right, it's because I'm just getting the dials ready. Um, because we're all always organised here at a State of Mind studio. And uh, here we go. In, in relation to that, there is obviously the Holy Trinity that has been spoken about previously, Tony. Part of that is that group of people that you mentioned with regards to the management and the players and the backroom team. Part of that is us as fans in the third tier or the third pillar, if you like, is the uh, the suits, the blazers, the boards at Celtic Football Club. And that's the one key element at the moment that isn't part of this, this no. momentum building because it seems as though every time something good happens, there is something just around the corner where they're ready to pull the rug from under your feet. And I guess that is probably why, in many ways, um, I do feel a wee bit concerned about January. Now, I'm going to invite our guest in by... <laughs> asking her to speak first. Amy Canavan, can you hear us?
3: I can't hear
4: you. Tony, did you hear that response? I heard that response. You did, that's great. I'll get the visuals in just a wee moment uh, once we get the discussion going again. But Amy Canavan is in the room and we'll get uh, Amy's screen up in a wee moment. You were talking about James A. Forrest there. One, One final point on the Bertie Olds, the Bertie Old tribute. I felt it breathed new life into the team. Now, maybe I'm just being that uh, football romantic for a moment, Tony. 67 minutes, uh, and obviously there's the tribute. Five minutes later, James a. Forrest opens the score and scores the only goal of the game. And uh, I thought back to you know the empty stands last season and this theory that it affected Celtic in one way, it affected Rangers in another way. And during the season, I'm thinking yeah, of course we, we are the 12th man, but isn't that the same with every, every club, etc. I'm now starting to look back and think, wow. I mean, I saw that on Saturday as a massive moment of the game. 67 minutes, and the fans breathed new life into that side. Do you buy that?
5: Oh, you saw it for yourself. It just lifts people. You know, the, the, the players knew that the, the fans regardless of the fact that maybe they weren't playing particularly well, they hadn't found a breakthrough, but the fans were with them the whole game. They were not going to turn against them. and They just knew that at any given moment, they would create something. And that was in the 67th minute. They showed them, look, we're rolling you on. Do it for us. Do it for yourselves. Do it for Bertie. You know, but in, the, in James Forrest and Jota, I clearly got the memo. You know, and I'm not saying the others didn't get the memo, but, you know, he, he was just kind of... Forrest, another special Hamden moment. He's got a bit of a litany of them now, you know? So it's... Uh, he does, he does. And as I say, the most decorated guy at the club, yeah, he's not the most loved player at the club, is he? If you're <laughs> going to be perfectly honest, and you and you say to yourself, why why is that? You know, but uh, I always said that he's... Uh, and I wrote it today... He's pretty shy for a wide guy. You know, he's not a kind of braggadocio or sort and saying we're going to do this and going to do that. just to talk on the park and, you know, and he does it well and his contribution to Celtic success down the years is, it, it's immeasurable. And uh, you, as I say, he's, he's someone who everybody in the dressing room will probably look up to because you can turn around and say, look at my trophy hall." Put your medals on the table. That's what he can say. He shows your medals and he's, yeah, he can certainly do that. But he's also a very good footballer, a talented, talented footballer. And that's kind of largely gone by and by because a lot of Celtic supporters maybe underestimate what he brings to the table. I certainly don't. He's a creator of goals and a scorer of goals. And he's a, a scorer of important goals for Celtic if you check back. Absolutely. Now,
4: Amy, can you hear Tony?
3: I can hear
4: Tony. I can Tony, hear you in the studio. Tony, can you hear Amy? I can, oh, yeah. Brilliant. So we have no technological issues in the studio. Now, you've led us into James for us. I want to have a wee word about James, and I'll bring this to yourself first. Amy, James uh, made his least amount of appearances since breaking into the side last season, 17. Um, and in his absence, uh, for me, I thought the club seemed a wee bit directionless. I mean, it's one of the things where we look at a player, maybe take him for granted, and it showed last season just how integral he is to Celtic success. Now Abada came in. I thought came in very, very uh, huge impact uh, as a nineteen-year-old. I know he's now turned uh, twenty, but he's gone off the boil a wee bit. Um, and I think that Jamesy Forrest coming in at the weekend, sixty-nine minutes on the clock, scores a goal in seventy-three minutes, changed the game. Is it now time for you, Amy, to give Abada a wee rest and bring Forrest in as your first pick on the right?
3: We've kind of spoke about it a lot over the last few weeks. You know, perhaps on the Abada. I don't want to say downfall, but you know, Kyogo and, and Yota, they've just been so you know, hit, hitting heights, and a battle's just gone a little bit quiet. And we've kind of went, you know, well, James Forrest is going to come back, he's going to be pushing that might give him, you know, that little bit of ignitation of a fire really that, that he needs. Um, and I think that the impact that, that Forrest has made from the bench at the, at the weekend, there, you know, so crucially, and as, as Tony alluded to, to just before me, you know, he, he kind of does it always on the big stage, you know, he, he he revels being there. Um. So I think now if, if Forrest is ready to start a game, which I'd like to hope, you know, if he can come on from the bench, it means that he is in a, in a fit enough position. I don't know, perhaps a few more just little appearances to, to get back up to the, the level of fitness that Ange Prostokoglu's style r- requires. But I think, you know, heading into this really hectic period, I think we will be seeing a lot more of James Forrest. And I think it's right. You know, I've seen quite a lot. There's a little bit of worry that he's maybe lost his pace a little bit. He's also just getting older. Um, but I hope that you know, just a, a little bit more time, um, we'll we'll get him back to, to the James Forrest that we do know and love. And and Tony's right. You know, he kind of still remains almost like the, the scapegoat, and mm-hmm. I'm not really too sure why. I don't think it was spoke about enough last season as to just how crucial James Forrest's omission really was from the squad um, and, and from the the matchday team. Because, you know, the impact that he has, it might not always be the assist, but it's the bringing down the balls, the beating to the byline. He might not be the assist maker, but he's always in, in the build-up. He's always playing such a crucial part. You know, he's got such a great ability... To, to naturally see him on the right but you know his impact on the left is, is quite amazing you know over the last few seasons I think perhaps it was um you know perhaps in the later stages of, of Rodgers his time at Celtic that he flung him out onto the left but he was just still so impactful yeah. and, and not many wingers can do that and, and go and do it on, on the other side and you kind of think wow we've maybe missed James Forrest being out there just as something a little bit different cutting in he loves to cut in um, outside
4: of the right boot, he loves one of them, doesn't
3: he? He absolutely does. He went through a little spice scoring against that. I Remember the the Rangers go well. Um, but I think going back to to your original point, I think it's it's massive for Celtic. It's massive for Ange that he's now back in selection. Keeping him fit is, is going to be crucial. But you know, there's that picture that's been been doing the rounds. You know, in the celebration of Forest, Cal McGregor's right beside them. They just get it. You know, they get. The club, they get everything, you know they've been here since they were Burns, so they really just know it inside and out and it, it's fantastic and I think it's going to bring Abada on, you know, I'm saying that he's going to come in and perhaps replace him but I think Abada can learn a lot from, you know, this is a guy that's been at Celtic, he's been kind of what is going through right now, kind of a dull patch or a, a lull, um, you know, Forrest has been there many, many a time but he's came back and, you know, now he's, you know, he's well, he's got an autobiography and everything now, um, he's, he's right up there so for, I think, for, for parties, it's great that, that Forrest is back.
4: I, I do remember actually when he was writing that book and I spoke to the author who came into the studio to do a show with Paul Sheridan and, and it's um, Selling the Jerseys, which is a tremendous show, which is it's quite irregular, but when it comes onto the channel, Amazing. it's brilliant. Uh, and we, we did speak to Joe and Joe was saying that when he was talking to James Forrest, what became abundantly clear was he wasn't even sure if the gaffer liked him. Now, the gaffer being at that time, Neil Lennon, who had given him his opportunity in the first team. Neil Lennon, of course, was uh, looking after the, y- the young boys when Forrest was playing. So he knew all about him when he eventually took over as the manager and he gave uh, Jamesy his debut. And, you know, he was that guy who didn't didn't have the cockiness to even though know, know Tony or take for granted, rather, that the gaffer liked him and actually rated him as a footballer. And, you know, he was coming into 28, 29 when he, when he wrote the book. He's now 30. Um, Amy says he's getting older. That's no old, by the way, Amy, just for your information. He's only 30. Uh, when I talk about him, he's only 30. <laughs> I'll tell you what, and I'm not comparing them, Tony, but no one has used their backside in a Celtic jersey as well as James Forrest since Kenny Dalglish because that is one of his
5: greatest attributes. Uh, Kenny Dalglish was uh, the best at it. The other one who's got it, to use their asset like that is a uh, John McGinn. John McGinn doesn't really well, he so. does very well, yes. Abundance. Yeah, you know, so that's in Forrest is the same.
4: Forrest is there is- a start? Is there a start for that? How's that measured in data?
5: I, I don't know. I, I would have to You're ask Al, Al Morrison. <laughs> I don't even know what you would call it. Expected what? No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you can come up with something there, Tony. <laughs> yes, leave it with me. Uh, but yeah. He never, he never looks dirty, does he? James Forrest is a perpetual kid. Or he looks a, a kid. You know, he's always... Mm. Yet, the one thing that Ange was able to rely on on Saturday when he flung him on was his experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I made the point that that's why James Forrest will be vital moving forward. Because on Saturday of the start in 11, Hart, McGregor, Beaton, and Juranovic were the only four players that had what you would call so-called big game experience. Right, the rest, the rest didn't. So you look at that team, and that's why it's a it's a cracking result because they were playing against a team that had won the previous two cup finals. We're on an eleven game cup unbeaten run, right? So they had to cope with that first and foremost, right? Some of them had even played at Hamden before, and then the emotion of the occasion for Bertie and you know, that. Like it's easy to play that occasion and not play the actual football match, and you're up against an robust
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So that game on Saturday had all the ingredients to go wrong.
5: You know, there was people predicting three and four nothing for Celtic, you know? maybe it was never going to be like that but you had to find a way to win that and I think I think if any of all the cup games that they've played so far, that'll be the toughest because they can now go out in the final and relax on it a bit and maybe play the football that we, we've been watching in spells this season eh, at different times and, I, and I'll include the 40 minutes at Easter Road when mm-hmm. they blew the Hibs away and that first half an hour against Betis when they got themselves into a, a two-goal lead and Jota misses a, a sitter for three, that kind of thing. The centre late 6-0 wins in the game against Hearts, the 3-2 cup game as well. You know, so it's there and it's there in abundance. But that occasion was just fraught. And there's nerves attached to that. Players are only human, Paul. You know, there is nerves attached to that. So that was a big, big, eh, that was a massive match in the context of Celtic season. Not just for the players but for the manager as well. Can you overcome that hurdle? They did. They ground it out, got the result. Nobody cares about semi-finals. As long as you win, the end result is a be all and end all. And they won that. Now, as I said, you'll be like, right. And I said it you know, Forrester will be going for his twentieth medal, whatever it is, and it's an Angel say and I said it in it's Celtic way. He'll request them to do that, put it in his hipper, and say, in fact, scrap that. He'll no request it. He'll demand it now. And you'll demand that Celtic go and win that final now. That's, that's it. That's the standard that you said. That's that's the bar. That's the bar. That, that's where you raised the bar to. There's an expectation and Ange gets that and the players are getting that and they got it on Saturday, which was a good thing for me because I didn't think they were ever going to lose a goal, but you know what can happen? The bounce of a ball, a decision, you know, a defensive mistake, something like that. But they showed they had the bottle and the stomach for that battle on Saturday. And it was quite a battle. You know, you were saying you are going to speak about something, but uh, the, the elbow in Welsh, how that mm. went punished is beyond me. But- well, that, that leads us
4: nicely into that. I mean, I, I had said at half-time that they were certainly were well looking at, at Sean Rooney um, as, as their target they were playing a lot of balls into Rooney and we know what he can do in the air. Uh, I quite like him as a player actually and obviously he's got that connection to Bob and Benny Rooney who had been at Celtic previously. Benny, of course, played in the 1969 League Cup final for St Johnston. A wee bit of trivia for you now. The thing with that though is I looked at that particular incident because yes, I'm banging on about it and I'm going to list them because we've got a list, I believe, of offences involving Celtic players that did not and should have resulted in a red card. So this is the sixth in the list as far as I'm concerned. If anybody else who's watching it on any of the social media platform can think of any others. Um, and I'm not turning any into a greeting uh, kind of bulletin, but... We've got to mention this. We've got to call it out. We've won the game. Uh, Rooney on Welsh is a red card every single day of the week. Welsh must have suffered concussion because he's been taken off with no visible injury. So you're thinking he's maybe uh, been out cold for a second or two. So you've got to get him off the park for his own safety. Let's run back through a few of the others. Kane, who I think um, got a few tough challenges himself at the weekend, but previously uh, at Celtic Park, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Was on the end of an assault by Kane, who should have been sent off. Against Dundee United, we had Fuchs on McCarthy, Seagrest on Abada, both sending offs. Uh, Gogic on Rodzic in the game that you mentioned earlier on, Tony. You know, I just felt that there was three offences there, and, you know, two of them, at least two of them, were were yellow cards, if not worse. And Halliday on McGregor in the opening league game of the season. That's six. Not one of them was sent off. I'll come to you first, Amy. Um, Now, we could go on all day about refereeing in Scotland but I mean we're only in November that's six red cards that weren't given are you concerned let's let's frame this question are you concerned at the lack of protection that Celtic players are getting from the officials
3: I'm concerned at, yeah the, the the lack of protection that Celtic players are getting I think I'm also just concerned at the lack of protection a lot of players are getting across Scotland you know I think the, the stance of the referee and we, we go on about uh, it's just so poor now i um, there were, there were a few dubious decisions in, in the entirety of the game um, on, on Saturday night. I think later on, you know, I think it was just, you know, um, Nick Walsh was just handing out cars willy nilly at the death to, to St Johnson. You know, Calm Davidson was getting booked. I could understand his frustration, to be honest. I, I don't understand how that really was a booking um, or or showing off a card to, to Davidson, whatever you want to call it. The Rooney one, Rooney did get booked from that, didn't he? So the referee's seen it. That for me is actually more worrying more than more than anything because if nothing happened then you can go right ref didn't see it well it's an error that he didn't see it because it's it's a worry but the fact that he has seen it you know but only deemed that high elbow to the neck borderline cheek as only a yellow card you know that's a salt you know Paul you you do that to me in the street my my God. I just think that that's kind of the inconsistencies that I worry about, the fact that he has even seen it, but that's what he merits as a as a yellow card. I think you can ask for, for starters really how Walsh has even got um the the semi-final in the first place. You know, it's meant to be like a massive privilege, you know, the best um, decision makers you know the best referees in the country that's what your 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 reward is you get the big games you get to perform on the big stage because as much as it's a big game for the players you know it's a massive occasion for, for the referees and that is always that has to be re- remembered you know because it is the big stage perhaps it shows how poor the standard has been all season that Nick Walsh is probably you know one of the better ones already how he was even given the Celtic game after that you know the Carter Vickers incident in particular is, is kind of beyond me um, but then you look at the other referees that were part of the league at the weekend you know everybody is aware of the Bobby Madden decision in the Aberdeen Dundee United game you know with Ojo it is absolutely astonishing so in the same breath where I'm saying you know I don't think that that Nick deserves this this occasion he's kind of do you really want it to be then be Bobby Madden is it the lesser of the two evils The, the standard is absolutely shocking um but in all honesty I I've not really touched on it too much but I know you know I look at the the lowland league and I see the standard of refereeing at that level I'm not saying you would jump right from the lowland league to to the SPFL but the standard down there is is shocking you know as I've said before my dad's a referee he came along to a Bonnery game with me a couple weeks ago I was up in the gantry working but I can hear him directly below me and you know he is going absolute ballistic at these decisions the worst thing is you know we got in the car afterwards and went, my god Amy that that referee that that was shocking and I went you know what That, that isn't even one of the worst ones like I've not even really took notice actually how bad he was because to me look what I saw last week I saw the week before I don't know what is so wrong in Scotland um you know I don't know if the education is not there if the visibility is not there if there's a pathway but something needs to be done because even from the lowest levels to the highest levels across the board it's so poor you know we spoke about it before does it need to be a, a, a fast track for for former players. Something needs to be trialled and, and I don't think VAR is the answer because it's the same Muppets that are going to be uh, operating it. And right now they are Muppets, you know, it's just it's cartoon characters because it's all just a laugh. Week in, week out, we're talking about them and not just Celtic fans, you know, there will be St Johnson's fans who are talking about, you know, at the death, why there were those book-ins. Um, Aberdeen fans will rightly be going absolutely berserk about Bab- uh, Bobby Madden right now. There'll be decisions from the, from the Hibs game yesterday as well. Kevin Clancy, there was a few dubious ones. Um, but it's just right across the board that the standard is, is really, really poor. The,
4: the, the points that Amy makes, Tony, um, I think are so valid because the, 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 the issue is, if not Nick Walsh, then who? Because you look across the other fixtures. I mean, that decision um, to send off, it's actually resulted in Aberdeen, Aberdeen calling out the refereeing decision—it's not just a Celtic issue now. There's other clubs throughout this season who are calling this out. I mean, um, Hearts have called it out, Dundee have called it out this season, and the standard is nowhere near good enough.
5: Because they're sick of the ineptitude, and they're concerned for the safety of their players, and quite rightly they should be. Somebody's going to get seriously hurt, mm-hmm. you know, because referees are only stamping down on, you know. Foul play and aggressive play, and you know, and that kind of behavior. So, I mean, that's a straight red card for Rooney and Saturday with the Elbow and You know, but someone, and it's not just a set, you've highlighted six Celtic instances where all of them should have been a red card. I get that, but you know, canvas any other clubs you see the Aberdeen, Dundee, United Hearts, you know, Motherwell, Hibs, you name it, they'll all have a, a litany of offences where they feel the same. And so, this is the time call it out, because the standard of refereeing in this country is, it's just shocking. It's the—it's glaring ineptitude. You know, it really is poor, and as it, Amy says, well, what is the answer? He's been talking about it for long and weary, but it's just, it seems to be uh, this season in particular, and season's gone past, but this season in particular, it's just rank rotten officiating. I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, is Valley answer? Don't know. Maybe eradicate some of the ones that but with technology, but my goodness, you know, the, the Bobby Madden one in Saturday, we all It's embarrassing, Tony. You're, you're imagine you're being a football fan players? anywhere else
4: no, watching it's, that, it's, you know, because everybody's seen it now and they must be thinking, yeah. what a joke this, this league is. I mean, yeah. we're working hard not to be this tin pot league. And then you see that and you think, well,
5: how
3: what can other you even argue? do you go to your job, you know, and you, and you get pushed like that and, you, you know, you're the one who's. Hmm. Remanded for it. It is a, it's a farce. It is an
5: absolute it's ridiculous. farce. Ridiculous. I've seen Saturday's well. I think Murray Davidson got a, a a yellow card, didn't he? Yeah,
3: he did. Later
5: on. He, yeah, later on, and he was like that. See, Nick, well, I mean, I think it bigger belief. I don't actually know what happened, but I just know I just saw Murray Davison's reaction, and I thought, what's happened there? What, what did he actually do mm-hmm. to warrant that? You know. So I, I'm not just seeing it with Emishi as well, but there was some bad decisions. That he gave against St. Johnson, or he didn't give St. Johnson as well, so it's just a, a terrible performance. You know, you're not asking for I've said this before, you're not asking for favors, you're just asking them to rest the game and be consistent in your decision making, you know, and be authoritative, you know, in your decision, be confident in what you're doing, you know, and allow for the occasion. You no, know, I get that, but you know, somebody elbows you in the face, it's a standing off. You no, know, somebody kicks you when you're lying on the ground. they after beating you and you're lying in the street. It's ascending off. Yes. Somebody jumps into a, a challenge and catches you in the ankle with no attempt to play the ball. It's ascending off. These things are happening in front of your eyes. So what I would say, what I would ask is, what are you seeing there? Yeah. You have to explain what you're seeing there or what you're not seeing
4: there. And keep- let's not forget, Kyogo got booked for getting. Um, for getting hacked, you book hacked it, the so book, he
3: touches the boy, and it's like it's, it's just and
4: Kugo got booked, it was ridiculous. The minute
3: it happened, though, well, you know, like, and I know many of folk all have been the same, but I said to my dad, He's going to book him. The minute you know, Kugo touched, I can't, I can't actually even remember who it was, but the minute he touched him, you just knew that it was going to happen, even though it's not, and we all know it's not. You've just came to that kind of conclusion now that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm.
4: Remember, I said, um, after the Livingston penalty, or I asked the question during the week are referees now going to target Kyogo? And what I meant by that is the minute you go down like like Kyogo went down, um, straight away people are going to target him as uh, being at it. And I think that we've seen a wee bit of that against St. Johnson as well. It's like if, as long as they can you know, see any misdemeanour whatsoever with uh, Kyogo, they're going to book him. And uh, that's something that we've called out before. And it's coming to fruition. Tony's already mentioned uh, the big man at the back who we love dearly in Joe Hart. Let's just get that one down first and foremost. There's the marker. We love Joe Hart, right? But three times, and one of them wasn't his fault, but we nearly sold the jerseys in our own box. 18 minutes with O'Halloran. 79 minutes, McCarthy's first kick of the ball. He doesn't know what's happening over his right shoulder. And 96 minutes at the very death. Big, gorgeous Joe himself. What do we do about this? This is a problem, Tony. We're trying to eradicate all this kind of stuff because at that point, St. Johnson come back into the game at 96 and we've made the three late subs and everything else. I'm not as confident, you know, going into extra time with a Jetty up front, for example, and so forth. And momentum seems to have come out of our play, especially if St. Johnson were to equalise. We really need to eradicate this out of our game, don't we?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think... (laughs) I think it was Jim that coined the phrase "heart attack football," and you can spell heart whatever way you want—H-E-R uh, or H-A-R-T. Yeah, I, I just he took unnecessary risks in Saturday, didn't he? You know, and i, I, I think uh, you know it's something that has to be addressed, doesn't it? You know, it, it's been evident from very early on that that's the way Ange wants to play, and we—we we are. We're on board and we get all that, but there's just, there's just times when, you know what I mean, you just have to shell it or hit it into the stands or if you're just not comfortable and just not take unnecessary risk. As you say, thankfully St Johnson didn't score from one of those moments, but every Celtic supporter's heart was in their mouth when it happened on three separate occasions. You know, once you can legislate for, with and you think, got away with one there, is that was inches by the post, you know, and there was frustration building at that. And you don't want that to seep right through to the support, you know. And then in the 96th minute, you're just thinking, well, wow, you know, just why? You know, just get it away or whatever. And I think you have to start taking, you know, executive decisions in those kind of situations. If you feel under pressure, tell it or put it wherever and then say to the manager I didn't feel comfortable I know it's not what you want but I'm doing it to protect myself because you will lose a goal like that at some point you mm. are going to become a cropper and then when you do come a cropper everybody's going to say why didn't they shell it why didn't they hit it in the stand why didn't they safety first And you know, so rather than learn the hard way when it could be an important point or an important time in a game, as you say, the 96th minute when the substitutes were made and, you know, if St. Johnson had a scored, then momentum might have been with them. Thankfully it wasn't and it didn't. But, Joe, safeguard yourself from that. Just don't let it happen in the future. Eradicate it completely. And that's that's, that's what I would do. If if he's unsure at all, just, just hammer it along. You know, we'll, we'll deal with it later and if it comes back then we'll, we'll build again. But, you know, I just... There is no point because... Because he's such a fine goalkeeper, Joe Hart. And what he's brought since he came in has been, been absolutely wonderful. I just wouldn't want him to be remembered for doing something stupid like that.
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test Intelligence data Q3 2022 in Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com/internet for details.
0: This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: No, you don't want that blooper reel. That's the big thing.
0: Now, I think there's lots
4: to be taken, lots of positives to be taken by utilising the goalkeeper in such a way that we are utilising Joe Hart. I mean, you see it where instead of the ball uh, travelling a a further 50 yards back to Joe Hart, you see him 10 yards from the halfway line picking the ball up, keeping the ball in, keeping the momentum going in the attack. So I get all that side of it. Um, And in terms of, you know, instead of just hoofing the ball up and hoping that we can win an aerial battle, um, Keeping possession, it's like you know the percentage of goals scored from a corner kick is so low. Someone cottoned on to that a few years back and said, "You just play it back into the park. You know, don't try and cross into the into the field. It's pointless. It's virtually pointless because you're not going to score." Um, and it's a wee bit like that, whereby we want to get away from the ball back to the goalie. He hoofs it up the park, Pat Bonner style, and we've got to win the header. I, I get all that, mm-hmm. but. There is a time and a place. And this week's opponents on Thursday night, I thought that was the the one game when we played Leverkusen at home that they really did pick up on it and they showed us up for it as well. And I just want us to, to be the best we can be because going forward, sometimes it's just the joy to watch. But that's the one thing in the back of my mind. If we just allow them an opportunity, it could be absolutely fatal. Now, we're going into that game and we'll be talking about some of the changes we might make. But before we do it, I think it's only right on today of all days to bring Paul Colquell into the discussion. Paul's a hibby, unless you hadn't noticed, right? But he's been on this podcast probably over the last year, and I'm trying to bring his comment up, but I don't know if he's been blocked because I can't bring it up. There you go. There you go, Paul. I never blocked you. Um, Can Hibs win the final? Right, I'm bringing it up because you are um, always on Axon um, and you're always civil. Even though you're a Hibs fan, that's fine. You're welcome to come in and have a civil discussion, Paul. And he's begging the question, and it's something you said at the very top of the show, Tony. I mean, I I thought when we played the Hibs at Easter Road, we completely bamboozled them for about 40 minutes. Second half, with hindsight, wasn't as great. It was a more controlled performance, Amy. But I do do rate them. I think uh, Jack Ross and co went through a tough patch recently, but I still rate him as a manager. And I think yesterday you've seen what they can do. Uh, we know who the danger players are uh, it was great again for a number 10 uh, in the weekend uh, that we were remembering Bertie to score a hat-trick, that was lovely um, particularly the fact that he was in a Hibs jersey what do we need to be aware of when we, we come up against it it's going to be a different game than the Hibs we've seen at Easter Road the other week there, isn't
3: it? Yeah, it is um, you know, Martin Boyle is is the danger man, we all know that He's been the danger man for so long. He is arguably one of the the best players in the in the SPFL this season. His goals to to game ratio is absolutely superb and you know that's coming from not an out and out striker. You know, he, he is a wide man. Um, I I love to watch him. I really do. I think he's he's um, he's really kind of not like James Forrest, but he, he can do that cutting in, you know um, and and hence the the goals that he can score. He can go to the byline, um, and and, and deliver a great ball as well. But I just think hips are just really set set up well right now. They're coming out of you know they've, they've went twenty five days without a uh, without a game after their kind of COVID crisis. Um, they're they've got a game again on Wednesday then they've got a game next Wednesday a game for, for catch up so trip up to Dingwall um, on Wednesday so you know the, the games are going to be coming thick and fast for them and it's going to be a, a hectic Christ, Christmas period even even more than, than usual because of these games but I think one of their biggest assets now is that you know their players are kind of returning from injury Kevin Nisbet that's one of the best performances I've seen from Nisbet in a long time um, albeit only I only caught the tail end of the game before I, I had to shoot out again but he looked so much more comfortable, kind of the Kevin Nisbet, the why Hibbs signed him, Paul, you rant and raved about him when he was at Dunfermline, you know, and, and kind of got that move to Hibbs. but he kind of went on about a little this, this season, I don't know if it was perhaps with the transfer talk, there was mm-hmm. a lot of links, obviously, to Celtic, international clubs have been coming up as well, so there's been quite a lot of attention on him, but, you know, he really looked the part again yesterday, Christian Doyle is coming back from injury, um, you know, he got a little bit of spell on the, on the park yesterday, and, um, and that's another great asset. You know, he's a massive striker. He's so tall, um, and he uses his head really well. He's so good in the air. I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys spoke about this earlier, but um, you know, one of the things with Celtic yesterday is that it was just kind of so it was so predictable. You know, Yarka's <laughs> delivering great balls into the box, but there's nobody there. Imagine what Celtic would do. I'm not saying we should go and sign Christian Doidge, but you're wanting a guy like Doidge in there. You know, like the yakamaka's kind of moulded, just that other figure. You know these great balls are there, but Kyogo, he's, the, he's not going to be winning headers against, you know, Liam Gordon and Jamie McCart. He's hes not. Um, so it's going to be a different Hibbs side. Um, I, I liked the addition of Josh Campbell yesterday. That was odd from Hibbs. It was kind of a curveball, but he played really well. Josh Stoig as well, you know, he's just signed that new contract, that extension. So all his kind of transfer drama hanging over his head that that's gone now. He's, his stability is there. He knows that's, that's where he's going to be playing his trade. But, you know, it's gonna be it is gonna be a tough game. It's gonna be a great game, it's gonna be a great final. Um it's perfect, it's a Bertie old final. I think it's you know, it's gonna be really, really special. Um and you know, Hibbs deserve to be there at the end of the day. That first half performance yesterday was was and stuff. Um, you know, not many uh, we were kind of joking about it earlier in, in the studio that you know, imagine the odds for Martin Boyle to get a first half hat trick, and I went no, imagine Martin, the odds just to get Martin Boyle to get to get a hat trick yesterday. Um, and this is a guy who who I say to you, you know, thirty five thousand miles he's travelled since the start of October, mm-hmm. 81 hours in the air. If he if he looked leggy yesterday, you went, come on, pal. I understand why, obviously, with him, with him uh, playing internationally for for Australia. But he came back and, and how fit did he look yesterday in stark comparison to, to Connor Goldson's comments. Um, he had that want to win. And I think Jack Ross has got that mentality within the squad now. Um, that's a massive win for them getting back after this long period of of no playing. Um, it's going to be a tricky few weeks for them to, to kind of play catch-up. They may get legged, but if anyone's like Martin Boyle, then I, I don't think they will be.
4: You said all of that and it was very well put but you never even mentioned what your thoughts are on Ryan porches
3: I never even mentioned my thoughts <laughs> on Ryan Portis you're right the local lad um, again and I thought he he's had a, a good
4: lad really, Ryan isn't he
3: uh, I thought he had a really really good game yesterday um, other than the kind of you know he's 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 at fault for the, for the goal but other than that I thought his second half performance was outstanding you know um, he was so robust and well that post-match interview I just think that's the, the icing on the cake he has received ridiculous stick from Stephen Gerrard during his time up here. And I think perhaps one of the worst things was that Gerrard never used his name. You know, he'd always say the kid, that lad, Hibs defender. That's disrespectful. I don't care who it is. You know exactly who that is, especially when you've mentioned him so many times or referred to him so many times. I think that was really poor from Gerrard. So, you know, I know a lot of folk won't won't really like what he'd done. Um, but you know what? Like I say, Brian's he's still really young, Um he has a local lad around here as well and I just think he has received a lot of unmerited sick from Gerard in particular so a little bit of you know reference to that I, th- I think it's all, all in good faith It's all
4: showbiz isn't it? It is It's all in the showbiz Now Tony I thought that was really well put by Amy obviously keeps her eye on the ball when it comes to Scottish football Chris Fraser's coming in um, to say that he would sign Boyle and Nisbet Do you think any of the Hibs boys are on our radar? I know
5: there's been talk about Nisbet many times I've said to you before, they should be on your radar because they're right under your nose. And if we've not uh, got APBs out in them, you know, just people reporting back and saying this, this and this and, and telling Ange you know, uh, whether or not uh, Ange wants to sign them is, is another matter. But they should be they should be keeping tabs on guys like Boyle and this, but they know Boyle and this but did a number on Rangers yesterday. This was supposed to be a foregone conclusion with Geo coming in and everything, and then setting up a, a Celtic Rangers final. And after the first half, it was bump, bump, bump. My goodness, this was going to make it happen. You know? And, and Hibs played really, really well. And Jack Ross just played that, played it down so much. I would just, It was a, a kind of managerial masterstroke where they let Rangers talk about Geo coming in and the new wave after Gerald and all that, you know? And uh, yeah. Y'all saw what happened. You know, they turned up. Why, why were Hibs hungrier than Rangers? You know, Golson couldn't put his, his finger on it, you know, threw his threw his teammates under the bus a wee bit, you know, with that kind of comment. Fine. You know that that these things happen, but you've got to turn up in these occasions. And I I re emphasize and uh stress again can Hibs win the final, Paul Cotwell asked. Of course can win the final. If they play like that, they've got every chance. Celtic need to be, as I said, ruthless, clinical and efficient. But above all else, they need to be professional in the way they go about their business between now and Christmas and in the January window opening. You know, so it's... Uh, and I don't think the manager will let them be anything other than those things. But you have to go and win the game. And, uh, you know, they will pose a major threat and you cannot underestimate Hibbs in this final, if you do, you do it to your peril, you saw what the likes of Nisbet and Boyle did to Rangers, those are the kind of players that can hurt you, and as uh, Amy also said as well, a guy like Doige coming on and rumbling you up, you know, these are things that Hibs will try to use to their advantage, and they did it to such great effect at Hamden, yesterday against Rangers, and if that doesn't give Hibs confidence going into face Celtic in the final, then nothing will And they'll fancy their chances. But again, I go back to Celtic. uh, Celtic have the better players. And you have to go some to beat both Celtic and Rangers at Hampden on any given occasion. Hibs went some yesterday. Can they repeat it? That's the question that Jack Ross will be asking of his players. And he'll be showing them that DVD between now and the final. But if Celtic are professional in their attitude and they turn up, then they'll win because they have better players. That's, that's the way these these occasions tend to go. But you cannot and should not underestimate the threat and challenge of the Hibbs.
4: The, the thing I'm looking at, trying to look at it um, outside the bubble, is you've got a, a manager in Jack Rossi, Amy, who when you watch what he did at Allo in St Mirren, you knew he was going to make that step up. I thought the sunderland Hibbs thing was back to front. I thought it would have been then down, down south, but he goes down south. And there's this question, Mark, over the big games. There's a question mark over the finals, isn't there? Uh, or even the semis with um In terms of Jack Ross. And, you know, we focus on Celtic and what we need to do on the range post Coglu, But they've got their own, um, you know, view on this in terms of getting the monkey off their back. You know, Jack Ross, can he win the big games? Can he win a trophy? Can he take it to the next level in management? And I think they are very dangerous. Um, but the one thing I'm going to hold on to is the fact that they do like to come out and play. And I think that suits Celtic better. Kevin Graham comes in to say he'd rather play Hibs and St. Johnson. I know what he means by that.
3: So do I. And I think that's a, that's a perfect point, that it's going to be a totally different test to what St. Johnson were. You know, St. Johnson chucked 11 men behind the ball. Did they defend with, their, with every part of their body? Yeah, they did. And you know what? In some, of those, in some of those games that's exactly what you want well Davidson have been happy with that absolutely yeah there was that one moment obviously it didn't work but at the end of the day their job was keep, Celt- keep Celtic ball out of the net you know and for however what 75 minutes they, they managed to do that with with every ounce of their, their, their body you know bodies getting chucked on the line you know diving into everything but diving in professionally not just you know clipping guys properly defending and defending well real resolute but you know, Hibs came out yesterday and they, they didn't pander to Rangers. They didn't let Rangers get on the ball, play with the ball. You know, Hibs were like, this is, this is our game and they'll do exactly the same against Celtic. You know, they'll think, well, if they can beat the champions, they can beat Celtic. And, and that will be the mindset. Um, obviously, th- there was that game at the Easter Road, so it is a bit different, but it's, it's a one-off, you know, and, and a final can go either way. I am really excited for it. I think it's going to be a great game because, and like what Kev saying you can have that little bit of optimism because it's going to be two teams going at it and that does suit Celtic more because there will be spaces in behind there will be gaps for Yota, for there will be little holes for Kyogo to find himself and David Turnbull will find areas on the edge of the box because I don't see Hibs sitting in and sitting deep because it's not the way that they, they certainly it's not the way that they like to play it's not the way that Jack Ross wants them to play because he is building them into this attacking side you know there was a few years that Hibs were kind of just grinding out results but it is about goals now it's about playing nice food football and before you know at the start of the season that that's why Hibs were at the top end of the table because they were going out and they were playing their game and they were totally wiping uh, sides, sides aside you know it, it was it was sheer dominance. And they have went through that a little bit of a lull before their, their COVID outbreak. And they're always going to be fans calling for Jack Rossi's head because they'll turn it, as you say, Paul, you know, can he, he can't do it in the big games because up until now, he's still not really, you know, he's not delivered that trophy. But it's another final um, and, and they've done it in, in remarkable fashion. You know, that was a breeze for Hibbs yesterday. It was an absolute breeze. Second half, Rangers didn't lay a glove on them. Did not lay a glove on them. Connor Wilson absolutely skies the, the golden opportunity. If he scores that I wouldn't have been surprised if Rangers came back because that's the mentality shifts by that point it's it's cookie bomb time ultimately and you would think right that the pendulum swings but but outclassed you know outclass Rangers and you know you, you can't underestimate the challenge that they'll they'll possess in in the final
4: that's another one to look forward to as Tony says some big games coming up between now and the 2nd of January we will cover every kick of the ball as I say thanks everybody for getting involved it's uh, Celtic and Hibs fans that have been in the chat today which is nice on a Monday morning so thanks everybody for getting involved on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, LinkedIn and on Facebook if you haven't done so already get yourself onto the YouTube channel and subscribe we've got loads of big content coming your way both a Celtic state of mind and other types of content. On Saturday we interviewed Tony Curran big Celtic man, Celtic Foundation ambassador, Hollywood actor and all round good guy so we're looking forward to pulling that video together for you as well. So thanks everybody for getting involved. All that's left for me to say is thank you to Amy Canavan and Tony Haggerty for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind